are we doing today? Today we're going to talk about Ritz. Well, we're going to talk Wait, about DMV. What are we? Oh, God, I hate the DMV. I hate the DMV, too. I, um, looks like we're rolling. Welcome to What Are Your Rights podcast with attorneys George Derrick and Bob Mortland. I'm Bob Mortland. We're going to talk about the DMV today. And if you're wondering, DMV stands for Department of Motor Vehicles. Were you really? Were they really wondering it? I, I don't think anyone was questioning that, but... I think it, everyone was. It's possible. And you're welcome. So DMV hearings can come up in a multitude of different situations. Typically, with my clients, the most common way that a DMV hearing is requested is uh, admin per se hearing, APS hearing, after a DUI arrest. What, what's that? You got something to say. <laughs> You got something I smart to say. No, I don't. Oh, thank you. Thinking I always have something smart to say. That is correct, Bob. Uh, DMV hearings. <laughs> That's the smartest thing you said all day. That is correct. <laughs> sure. Uh, DMV hearings happen usually after your license is taken away for some reason. Usually it's a DUI. Uh, we'll be talking about some other reasons why a DMV could take your license away. Uh, basically, just for the sake of uh, just the beginning of this podcast. DUIs are one of the common reasons our clients hire us to get their licenses back. Would you agree with that? I agree, but the problem with admin per but, se hearings... You said, I agree, but... Well, there's no but. I agree, and the problem with admin per se hearings is that you have to request it within 10 days. That's not 10 court days. Nope. That's not 10 business days. That's 10, 10 calendar days. 10 days from your arrest. From the time you were pulled over to the time you request a hearing... You have to request it within 10 days. Otherwise, the DMV is going to suspend your license. In a and what are we going to talk about situation. DUIs today? We did that in episode two. But let's say you get a DUI. The police officer is going to literally physically take your license. Am I right? You're right. He's Sometimes gonna, they'll punch a hole in it. Yes. They'll punch a hole in it most of the time. Uh, the times they don't, I don't know why. But they will physically take it. And they will give you a piece of paper. Have you seen these slips? It's a pink, yeah, it's, it's a, a pink, pink piece sheet of paper. of paper. And on the back of the paper, in little tiny writing, on the carbon copy, it says, you must request your APS hearing within 10 days or you will have a license suspension. And let's, let's just stop right there for a second. We always, a lot of the reasons why we do this podcast is shamelessly plug our websites, bobmortland.com and eastbayattorney.com uh, for George Derrick. What I want to make as a footnote is if you just decide to hire the public defender you're not going to get a DMV hearing in time they don't set these arraignments less than 10 days before your arrest and you don't have to hire an attorney to handle the DMV hearing and the DUI if you want to go with a public defender or if you're strapped for cash but you want to save your license you can hire a private attorney just to handle the DMV aspect of it which is kind of mildly asinine when you think about it, because that private attorney has done all this work. They might as well just represent you in the DUI as well. Yeah. Criminal court. But I've seen that happen. I've, I've had clients uh, hire me just for that. And you, don't, you actually don't even need a lawyer for the DMV hearing, mm. but you probably need one to win. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say that. They're, they're very tough to win. Um, even as an attorney, most attorneys have very low win percentages in DMV yeah. hearings. Don't, when, when, I mean, now I'm referencing episode one, how to find a lawyer. If you ask an attorney what their win-loss rate is for a DMV hearing, especially for a DUI, it's going to be very low. I, I, you'd be hard-pressed to even 
get a number out of that lawyer. I've won. I've won one. And that's about it for now. But it's very, it's just very difficult to win those because there isn't like a court of law. Well, let's explain what happens at the admin per se hearing. Typically, you... Well, first of all, before we even get to that, you need to call in to the DMV to request a hearing. And it's not the actual DMV office. It's a different department of the DMV. It's a satellite office somewhere in the county you were arrested in. Yeah, the Department of Traffic Safety. Sometimes it's not even in the same county. Um, No, you're right. If you're arrested, I think, in Santa Rosa, I think you have to go through San Francisco County. Yeah, Sonoma County's down in San Francisco. So it's a pain in the butt to have to deal with the DMV. They'll request that you fax over something saying you're requesting a hearing or call them and request a hearing. But here's what happens when you request a hearing. Here's what happens. Your license, your driver's license, which was taken away, you're given a temporary one for 10 days. That temporary license uh, is extended until after you get the results from the DMV hearing. So one of the main reasons my clients request them, even if they know they're going to lose, it extends their driving privileges out until they get the results back. Correct. And a lot of people want to do this so they can see the discovery, see what the police report says, um, and see what the likely outcome at the criminal hearing is going to be before their license is suspended or before issues happen with their license. So what will happen is you'll call in and you'll request a hearing. They'll give you a, a date. And you could do one of two types of hearings. You could do an in-person hearing where you go into an office building or... You can do over-the-phone hearing. I always, though, to, to step back, I prefer that people send in an actual document that you can prove you sent a request over. The DMV is notorious for denying requests oh, yeah. based on, oh, yeah, we didn't see, we don't have a paper saying that you requested that. Well, I called. Well, so Always what? ask for them to fax it or email it. or I don't know. They don't do email. They won't do email. But they'll fax. Yeah. So you request the hearing. They gave you a date. Hopefully you have a lawyer. Don't do these DMV hearings by yourself. So what happens? At the hearing, you can either go on the telephone um, and... What do you mean go on the telephone? You pick your telephone up and you answer it when they call you at your given time. And you can do the hearing over the phone or I prefer to do them in person. Yeah, I like doing them in person too. I like being able to see a face and... Um, see the actual physical documents. I like to see the, the DMV hearing officer and stare them down. You like to when get I, hard looks. When I walk into their office, I want them to know that that my tax dollars are paying their salary. You, I don't. I don't you tell mean them that. Business. I, I stare them. I give them this evil eye, and I, I I want them to feel afraid, scared. Like that's probably never happened. But I still, <laughs> I like showing up. I like showing up in person because sometimes they'll actually have the officer there if there's a case that... Really? You've had that an, I've never had an officer in any of my DMV hearings. I have. When there's an actually close issue, an officer will show up to testify. Or if his statement of probable cause is junk and they're trying to admit that as evidence, they have to have a physical officer there to testify. Um, I have had an officer show up in person before. It was in the Sacramento DMV office. A lot of the offices handle their cases differently so so you go in you have the hearing whether it's over the phone or in person you let's just talk about the the hearing officer the DMV hires people to be hearing officers I think and I'm not I might be mistaken Bob uh, I I think 
you might have to be able to read to be a hearing officer. That's the only requirement. I'm Is that the sure. only requirement? Yeah. I and your reading level probably sixth grade. I, think. I was going to say fourth. Ooh. Let's just cut the baby in half. Fifth grade reading, fifth grade level, reading level, and your IQ has to be, I think, above forty. But I don't know. Yeah, below anything. below sixty. Forty b- between forty and sixty. That's. <laughs> I, th- I think that those are the requirements to be a, a DMV hearing officer. Oh, you also have to be angry because you didn't get into law school. Yeah, you got to be incredibly upset. Basically, yeah. this hearing officer and um, this hearing officer is, for lack of a better term, kind of like a office lackey. Yeah, yeah. They'll read the police report the police officer wrote and submitted. Uh, and they basically what they'll do is at the beginning of the 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 hearing they'll ask they'll say oh these documents uh, I have do you have these same documents am I right mm-hmm. and they'll say do you allow them to come into yeah do you object to them coming yeah. into evidence or not and I do I always object if this is a court of law I would object and it would be sustained it's hearsay you need you, you can't just allow documents like that coming into evidence. You need someone to actually testify to them. That's evidence. We're going to talk about evidence in a few episodes. We're on, like episode, we're on episode 500 right now, right? 550, I think. Five, 550. Oh, yeah. We'll probably talk about evidence. Probably, you know, we could take, do a whole thing just on the hearsay rule. This is hearsay, which means it's evidence coming in. Oh, gosh. Now I feel it's uh, hearsay it, evidence is... Evidence presented for presented the truth, for the the truth of the matter asserted. Yes. And basically, they're using this piece of paper this person wrote on to prove that uh, you're guilty of what's going on. Um, yeah, they're using a police report to prove the truth that's in the police report. And let's just take a step back. The, yeah. yeah. The DMV hearing, the only reason... You are the only issue you're fighting in the DMV hearing. There's just one issue, okay, for a DUI. The one issue you are contesting is that you should not have been pulled over in the first place. You should not have been arrested, right? Correct. So you're not trying to say, well, I'm completely innocent. No, what you're trying to say is, based on the police report, based on the evidence you present, which is usually testimony uh, or at least objections, your main and only goal is to tell the DMV, hey, I'm, I'm just using layman's terms, that officer had no right and no evidence to support detaining and or arresting me for a DUI. How dare that officer. So, I think we got to the part where the DMV hearing, hearing officer asks if you to allow them to come into evidence. What do you say, Bob? I always object to them coming into evidence based on hearsay, obviously, uh, like we just went over. And then let them go ahead and testify as to whatever's happening if they want to bring the officer to testify sometimes he's available by phone sometimes they don't call him at all um, and then you make an oral argument based on what was just presented and that's about it there's not much more to a DMV hearing than that it usually lasts 10 maybe 15 minutes on the phone it, it's even quicker so they're not complex you just need to know the rules of law and know how to spot certain issues such as motion to suppress type issues which can come into play here um, now the DMV hearing itself is not the final 
Yeah, they're not oh, the damn. final arbiter. It's not the final final word. It, basically, what will happen, okay, is the DMV officer will hear you say, oh, I object to your say. Like, okay, yeah, that's great. Well, it's coming in, right? right? And then yeah. they'll say, oh, do you have any uh, testimony or do you have any evidence to present? And usually my client's there and the client testifies. But it's, see, that's where it gets to be a two-way street. Um a lot of times I tell my client not to testify because what they say could be used against them when we go to trial. Correct. So if they're saying something that could be detrimental to their case, a lot of times I tell my clients to be quiet and not to say anything. Usually I, I argue the hearsay and I tear the police report to shreds and I show Smash a lot of... that police report. There's a lot of circumstantial evidence in the police report and uh, with circumstantial evidence which is another full episode we do if uh, the rule is if you could get more than one conclusion based on one evidence of fact and one of those conclusions is an innocent conclusion you must adopt the innocent conclusion instead of the incriminating one it's a very generalized explanation of the circumstantial rule but it's correct yep uh, usually I hammer that home and the DV officer smiles and says yes I I'm nodding with you, and I'm going to deny it. Yeah. Yeah, usually they're incredibly nice, and they'll say, okay, well, have a nice day. We'll go ahead and mail you a decision. They don't give you a decision right then and there. They wait. And oh, they don't have the guts. No, they don't want to tell you to your face that they're going to deny you, but most of the time they do. And after the DMV hearing, if you are denied, but you think you do have a good issue, you can file an appeal, um, which is known as a writ for the DMV. Uh a writ is basically another word for order. It's asking or telling the government or, you know, DMV or a school board or uh, there's plenty of different areas where you can file a writ. It's writ of mandate, writ of mandamus. Um, basically what a writ is, is it's kind of like, in a way it's like saying, hey, 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 let's suspend these proceedings right now. I'm going to ask a judge to stop what's going on. Yeah, it's an order that's telling the DMV to reverse a, the decision it made, and it's also asking to stay any of the yeah. issues that are currently so we'll, pending. So what will happen is you'll get a letter within one or two weeks after the hearing. About 98% of the time it'll say, we, you know, we are sorry to, to inform... Actually, they don't even apologize. They say, no. your license has been suspended, effective, certain date. Deal with it. Yeah. Uh, so a writ is a basically it's kind of a hybrid containing certain civil aspects with certain criminal aspects. You have to file it in the civil division of the court, um, but you don't have to pay any filing fees. I've had issues with filing writs where the civil court wants you to pay fees, but the criminal court doesn't have any fees. So sometimes there's issues with that. I always find a clerk that's a little older and has been there a little longer. Nice, and doesn't knows, care. Well, she knows what she's doing, whereas the younger ones, they just... No, no, you got to pay. Yeah, they stick to what the fee schedule is. And a writ is, it's a criminal action, but it has to be filed in the civil court. Um, that And a writ is a lot of work. It's an incredible amount of yeah. work. Um, I highly recommend getting an attorney. In fact, I don't think mostly people. I've never heard of anyone. I haven't heard of many attorneys writing writs. We write writs on these all the time. Um, you know what? It's it might behoove us t- to talk about. There's a actually concerning writs. A really bad case just came down on writs. What is it? 
Um, I'm, I'm going to go to my website. Let's look it up. Wanna, well, why don't you tell the listeners uh, what the time frame is for filing a writ for a, a DMV hearing? Well, a writ for a DMV hearing should be filed as soon as humanly possible in order to stay your record, uh, to stay the suspension, because the suspension will take effect usually a couple of days after they mail that uh, decision out. So I try to get them filed within a week or two, um, depending on what issues there are, if it's complex, if it's not. What you need to do in order to file a writ is you got to get the record from the DMV. They do record all of the hearings that, that you're a part of, and they'll charge you for that. It's not too much of a fee. Go ahead and pay that. Get a disc. Get it transcribed. Do the legal research. And with a writ, it has to be done in a certain way. You have to put certain elements into the writ, such as a table of contents, table of authorities, uh, even a certification as to the word counts. So after you get the record, once the record's complete and you review everything, uh, you're going to go ahead and you know do that research, as I said, and get it filed as, as soon as you can. Once the legal arguments are filed, the DMV has a chance to settle the case without appearing in the court for the oral argument. The DMV knows that if they lose the case... Uh, they have to pay your attorney's fees, which that's something that really gets their attention. In some cases, the DMV would rather give up than have to pay the filing fee, the attorney fees and everything like that. And, and that's what I'm saying is it's kind of a civil criminal crossover. You can request attorney's yeah, it's fees not in, in writs. Clearly criminal, it's not clearly civil. It's confusing as hell to most judges. Right. And a well, lot not, not much, but I mean, it's it's very rarely... Yeah, a lot of instances, the DMV will offer to return the license to a motorist if they agree to waive reimbursement for attorney's fees on that case. And attorney's fees for writs can be incredibly high, depending on who you hire. Um, I don't want to throw my price out there, because it depends what your exact specific issue is. If it's something I've done before, I'm going to charge you less, because I've already done the research, and I can use that's that. That's the thing. That's how I, I work, too. I'm not going to throw a client under the bus, but if I have to reinvent the wheel, eh, it's going to happen. Well, not, I mean, you're going to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you do have a chance to argue your case in court. It's the day, it's, you know, you've gotten your stay, you've prepared the record, the case is briefed. Now you have your day in court. Some judges will take the time out to write a tentative opinion, which is basically outlining their thoughts of the writ and explaining which way they're leaning on the case. They can't say what exactly they're going to rule, but they'll hint at it. They'll say, well, I'm tending to lean this way. Here's this some case law that most lawyers need to know. Found it. And me and Bob do know, yeah. See, every week, uh, me and Bob, we get emails from a certain listserv that explains all the criminal cases that, that we need to know that week. There's about, I don't know, between a dozen to two dozen cases that come out that we need to know that applies to our practice specifically. And if we don't know them, uh, it's I, mean, I wouldn't call it malpractice. I think it's unethical if you don't know the case law. Wouldn't you agree with that? I, I agree. I, every time that a Supreme Court decision comes out or an appellate decision comes out, I read it just to see what it is, if it's related to my area of the practice. The DMV uh, uses Vehicle Code Section 13352 to authorize itself to suspend licenses through the DMV hearing. Now, let me just read this case blurb that I wrote on my blog. Uh, you can also see it on my eastbayattorney.com website uh, through the blog, the blog nice. button. But uh, 
the case is ex- specifically what we're talking about today. It's called People versus Valverde. Um, came out July 6, 2012, where a defendant suffers one conviction of a DUI. She's not entitled to issuance of a restricted license under a statute which only applies to those convicted of DUI on more than one occasion. Okay, Defendant, in this case, pled guilty to a DUI, and the DMV suspended her license for six months. Concurrent to one-year administrative suspension. Now, I, I think that's with the DMV. Uh, she then asked the DMV to issue a restricted license under Vehicle Code 13352, Subdivision A3. You don't need to know that. Um, after she met requirements listed in the statute. Now, when the when you're convicted of a DUI and the DMV, even after the APS hearing, denies it, you could ask for a restricted license uh, if you enroll into the first offender DUI school. Okay, that's what's going on here. She asked for a restricted license. Uh, the DMV denied the request because under the subdivision 13352, she only had one DUI conviction. It only applies to more than one DUI conviction. So the trial court, at a hearing, I believe, at a what'd writ hearing, what they do? Trial court ordered the DMV to issue the restricted license. That was reversed, mm. based on its language. Section one three three five two of the Vehicle Code, Subdivision A, Sub three, does not apply to a person who has suffered only one conviction for DUI. The legislative history and lawyers talk about legislative history a lot does not reflect why first offenders are treated differently. The court noted that another statute, Section 13352.4, provides for issuance or restricted license for an offender, like the appellant in this case, whose license was suspended. However, appellant did not seek a restricted license under 13352.4, and her request to apply to that section in her case was denied as forfeited. Now, why am I saying what, this? What are you saying? What I'm saying is she asked for, and I don't know if she had a lawyer or not, but she asked for a restricted license under vehicle code... One three three five two sub a sub three. She can't do that because that's only for multiple offenders. This is the exact reason why you need a lawyer for your case when you get a DUI, especially in DMV hearings, and particularly if you lose a DMV hearing and you file a writ, because you need to know what vehicle code you need to be asking for in a restricted license situation. This is a case where she lost the DMV hearing, but she won the writ, but she won it under the wrong code. So you know what happens? The appellate court says. It's the wrong code. It's not going to work. You don't have a license. Yeah, you have to cite the correct legal authority. You have to know what you're arguing, why you're arguing it, and what exact legal argument you're making pursuant to which code sections. So what I I was talking about what happens at the writ hearing. Um, You know, the judge usually will give you an opinion, tentative opinion, based on where he thinks he's going with that. And usually the judge will turn to the losing side, the the one that he believes is the side that he's going to rule against, and he'll usually ask something like, Counsel, since I'm leaning against your position, why don't you go ahead and make an oral argument? And you go ahead and explain your side if you're the losing side. If not, you can sit back and smile because you know the judge is looking to rule against them, so they're trying to tread water now to come up with why exactly they should win. So usually the judge shall issue the decision in open court, unlike the DMV, where they send you a letter a couple weeks later saying, oh, suspended, you lose. The judge will tell you right then and there to your face. Um, Or sometimes if it's a complex enough issue and he needs to do some further research, if you've swayed him on your opinion on the writ, 
uh, or anything like that. The judge can can take it under submission. And I know a lot of judges that actually enjoy it because it's a very intellectual argument, and it's not the usual garden variety case they they have. So, in my opinion, a lot of judges really do take these seriously. It's not like the DMV that just turns and burns them. Judges really do take the time to make sure that the your client is adequately uh, both represented and the the law is adequately applied. Yeah, there are some judges that are, that are nerds, and they enjoy looking it up and seeing if you came up with a good argument or if your law is right, your law is wrong, uh, or they just enjoy that aspect of the law, and that's great. I, en- I really, really, really enjoy judges like that, uh, as opposed to some of the traffic court commissioners who don't care. They, they're going to find a way to find you guilty, and, um, and that's no. that. Uh, now, I just won my first DMV hearing. Congratulations. And it was, I got to tell you the story. It was amazing. And I'm not going to say my client's name, but um, he, was a param- he is a paramedic. And a few years ago, his family was threatened. They're, they're foster parents. Great. I love these people. Great people. Um, they're foster parents. They take care of this one little girl. Her biological mom made some very credible threats to my client a few years ago. My client, who's a paramedic, he meets with police officers all the time. He's a paramedic. He has a lot of contact with peace officers, deputy sheriffs, uh, sworn agents. I does mean, he really? Like, does he like cops? Yeah, he does. He oh, no, right. he really does. Right. So he spoke to a couple of police officers, and they said, "Listen, you could carry a gun under these circumstances." And they told him what to look up. Well, the police officers didn't really understand the law. So one day, shocking, right, shocking. Yeah. Police didn't know the law. So my and they client, go arresting people. My client goes for a walk with his family. <laughs> He's carrying a gun. It's open. What kind it's, of gun? You know, I want to say it was thirty-eight. Thirty-eight so, Ruger. I think so. I don't know. Right. I don't know guns. I'm such a nerd when it comes to. I don't. Anyway, so he's taking a walk, and he's walking through a field, a, a school these, field. These guns. Yeah, I see. You just wow. Let that was rec- really. Let the record reflect that I flexed my guns. I can't believe you brought a gun to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so he's walking through a school field. And the police are called because a neighbor saw him. And he's arrested in front of his family in this field. Now, he's arrested for felony bringing a gun onto school grounds. They reduce it to like a misdemeanor disturbing of a school. Okay. No big deal. You know, we don't... His lawyer at the time, which wasn't me, I'd like to point that out, uh, didn't understand that the DMV could see that conviction and revoke his paramedic driver's license essentially making him unemployable you need a paramedic driver's license to be a paramedic in California so it wasn't he wasn't fired from his job because his job just loved him but they had to let him go as to the paramedic aspect of his job so he had a he had to be like a trainer for a while severely affected his employment his financial ability especially in this economy he calls me up and says George I need to file a writ. I filed a writ last year and it was denied. They reissued his license. The DMV re- reissued his paramedic driver's license a year later after they revoked it. And then a, a month later, they revoked it again. So they gave him his license, Bob. Yeah. And then they took it away. So we have a DMV hearing. And I wasn't at his first DMV hearing, but I was at a second one. And they, they mentioned there's a lot of issues. They said, well, it's moral turpitude, what he did. So I had to explain to the DMV that he walked through that school on a Sunday at 4 p.m. 
And the rest of that week, all the students were gone on Thanksgiving break. So it wasn't like he was walking through recess. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't wandering through lunch hour. And the, the DMV revoked his license. They said, well, it's, uh, it's moral turpitude. And I said, well, what is, there's, there's no area of law um, more muddled than its moral turpitude. There's no yeah, exact definition. True. And they say, and they, they they said it's acts unbecoming of a paramedic, and they should be held to a high standard, which I agree with. But you have to understand his intentions. Sure, it wasn't the smartest yeah, thing to I, do. No, I disagree with it, I and mean, I would agree with it if he's wandering through at lunchtime at a kindergarten right. with a gun. But he's just walking through on a Sunday. I, I disagree. We don't. That that's more right. Terp. We don't have an, an unlimited language in the penal code to explain and to have him plead to a, a very appropriate. Uh, resolution. This is the best resolution he got was a misdemeanor, disturbance of school, um, which is a legal fiction, in my opinion. A lot of times clients plead to the closest thing they can plead to to still administer justice in the whole situation. So, anyways, going you know, on my rant, we go to the DMV hearing. After the DMV hearing, even the DMV hearing officer said, you know what? I hope you win. I was like taking her back. I was like, wow, she even hopes we win. She actually said it. She says, I hope you guys are successful. Two months later, because the DMV takes their time, two months later, what will happen is when you do a DMV hearing, they send it to a three-person panel if it's a paramedic license. They send it to the panel, and the panel read through the transcripts, and I think listened to my argument, and they said, we are giving you your license back. It was like the one of the, my best victories this year. That's a good victory. Right How there. rare is it to win a DMV hearing? It's incredibly rare to win a DMV hearing. Uh, I've won a couple in you know, the three years I've been practicing thus far. So That doesn't mean we're not going to fight. As criminal defense attorneys, we walk into fights knowing we're probably going to lose. We still fight as hard as we can. Well, sometimes we surprise ourselves. You walk into that fight and you think, well, I'm probably going to lose, but I'm going to give it my best, and you win. And you're like, it's the greatest feeling as a defense yeah. attorney to win. We don't give up, though. Never. We never give up. We never quit. There's no retreat. No surrender. And you know what? If you were to lose that DMV hearing, you would have taken it up again with a writ and continued to fight and continued to fight. If you win the writ, that's the end of the case. The DMV doesn't... They give you your license back. There's a judgment. That's it. Um, You may be eligible for reimbursement of attorney's fees if your attorney was smart enough to ask for that, which I always do every single time. Oh, why wouldn't you? Well, I've had a I've seen cases where attorneys haven't done that. Haven't asked for attorneys to the DMV. Yeah, because uh, as I said, you know, a writ is a criminal civil crossover. Criminal attorneys have no idea what asking for attorney fees are, things like that. I practice uh, personal injury in different civil areas. George practices uh, family law, probate. And where I wills. ask for a lot of attorneys fees. I mean, yeah, a lot of time I ask for attorneys fees. So. You know, we understand that attorney's fees can be requested, whereas attorneys who only do criminal and they take on a writ, they may not know even how to file it, where to file it, what to do. Uh, I've had plenty of people call me, other attorneys call me and ask, hey, how do I file a writ? What do I do? What do I just asking for advice? And I, I give that, not a problem. I'll send you a bill for 500 bucks, but no, I won't really, but I'll give that advice. I, I remember that guy. He deserved it. <laughs> Uh, if you lose the writ, uh, it could be an intermediate step before an appellate court reverses the DMV and the Superior Court judge. Uh, but, you know, there's other things you could do if you lose the writ. 
So it depends. If there's an unsettled area of law, then it may take an appellate court to clear up that issue. Superior court judges may continue to follow the unsettled law and deny writs, or the law may be settled and a particular judge just can't bring themselves to return a license to someone accused of a DUI, which, you know, judges are people too. So sometimes they look at the law and they say, well, you know, no, I, I, I'm going to deny it. Um, doesn't happen all the time. Not all judges are, are bad no. like that. that. Yeah, it's once in a blue moon. Bob, let me ask you a question. What's that? Why does California have the most attorneys and New Jersey have the most toxic waste dumps? I, I, I don't know. Is there actually an answer to that? Yeah. New, New Jersey got the first pick. Oh, nice. Shout, shout out to Newark, New Jersey. Shout out to BobMortland.com and EastBayAttorney.com. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for an all-new, exciting, thrilling episode. See you next week.